0: Every weekday, the Sustainable
1: Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher, and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access
0: Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness, Welcome and Welcome to Blowing Bubbles positive
1: conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyers Bay, Dunedin. And I am joined by mawira Karatai in Fakatani. Kia ora Gotta
2: Sam, how goes it?
1: It's going very well. How was your weekend?
2: Um, it was good. We uh, we lost a chuck this weekend, one that was a hen that decided she was a rooster and has been waking up the whole neighbourhood at five o'clock. So she went from being a non-laying, confused chicken to dinner in one, in one quick movement.
1: Dinner, George?
2: Yes, George for dinner. She was delicious. She was much, <laughs> much nicer to be around in the second part of her life than she was in the first part.
1: And who are we introducing today?
2: Um, it is my very great pleasure to introduce my friend Shay McLean Brunetti, who is a teacher at Fakatani High School. She has been; um, she's the head of English there, which is. Well, oh, I know her dad, which is how I met her. He was the, uh, a very long term principal at Fatani Intermediate School. She's been teaching since 2005, which is a really long time to be teaching. Welcome, Shay, thanks for joining us.
0: Kia ora. Thank you, Mawira. Nice to be here.
1: Welcome, Shay. Shay, how was your bubble life? I know that's stretching back a bit now
0: yeah yeah it was quite interesting i i've actually just returned recently returned to school i was on a i was fortunate enough to to get get a um a teaching ed scholarship to do my master's of education so my year of study um ended up looking quite different than what i had um planned it to look like uh so yeah it was it was quite interesting I, i was studying online anyway and i actually found that quite a isolating kind of experience so i guess Covid kind of actually reinforced that. Um, so yeah, it was it was was quite different.
1: So you you weren't in the classroom during lockdown, or or during your classroom remotely no, during lockdown. No, I wasn't in
2: the classroom at all.
0: No, I wasn't in the classroom at all. So that's kind of a mixed blessing, really, isn't it? So a lot of my colleagues uh, had to really quickly get up to date with with technology and. Um, how to teach by distance and online whereas I kind of avoided that but then I kind of had my own challenges in terms of being an online learner so in some ways I kind of feel like I uh, escaped the, the stress and the pressures of having to prepare pretty quickly um, for the COVID, for COVID and, and, and having to teach uh, but, but however I kind of found it was, was quite a different experience as well. Um, I am looking forward to returning to work because apparently there's all these amazing resources online that all the teachers created. So I kind of feel like I've cheated a little bit. <laughs> I'll have access to all of those. So you took the time off to do your master's and then um,
2: found yourself at home with your children who were also working online, presumably.
0: Yeah, that was that was quite stressful. Um, I think, as, as you know, Māora, like, um, uh, studying is just... I wasn't really prepared for how all-encompassing it would be um it it really takes over your 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 whole life really in terms of all your thoughts dreams um you know we're just talking about academic reading you know you're constantly swamped by the readings every time i'm sort of doing assessments there's always more that you do um and then so having my children at home did create Real challenges. My my husband um, was at home for four weeks, which wasn't too bad um, because at least he kind of um, he would take over and look after the kids when I was because when I locked myself away in, in the study. Um, however, when he went back to work in level three, that's when I actually yeah the 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 stress levels really went up because it was trying to take care of the home learning um, and sort of stay in the in the study zone really. Um, so on those days, like leading up to those assessment deadlines, my, my children were pretty much left to their own, literally their devices,
3: um,
0: and basically had full, full access to the kitchen. Um, but yeah, I, I really, um sympathize with, with a lot of with parents it's that, that I think it was that guilt thing I think I found the hardest trying to to um, commit to my to my study and fulfill those commitments and um, also being a, a parent
1: as a teacher yourself did you have to sit on your hands to to not barge in and say I could do this that teacher's got it all wrong this is the way we should be doing it
0: y- yeah I did and it was quite interesting because both of my children are i've got a i've got two daughters one who's uh 11 she's year seven and another daughter who is year four um and they both went to different schools and um the work from both the schools was quite different one was really structured really organized um so my um one of my daughters she was completely fine whereas my other daughter i found the work quite ambiguous so um, if i left her to her own devices, she probably would have finished it in like about 20 minutes. Whereas, so it was trying to kind of flesh it out. So it was something um, a bit more meaningful and um, kind of kept her busy for a bit longer. So yeah, I did I did find that quite hard. Um, in some ways, though, I feel that some of the um, work that was a little bit, um, which I thought was quite brief and ambiguous, um, actually ended up, actually been quite good in terms of, of um skills like initiative, um, innovation. So it for, one of the things that she had to do was um to was, was to um make a poster of what she'd been up to in her bubble um so it was about brainstorming with her what that might look like um so instead of just drawing a picture you know she went out and took pictures of all these things that she was supposedly been doing and then she her sister got involved because they had to do all this big photo shoot of her doing all these things because she didn't want to look like it she'd done it all in one go so it had to look like it'd been over a few days <laughs> and then um and then sort of teaching her how to put it um make a a, a post it on Google Slides, that was, I mean, that was quite a good skill for her to learn. So yeah, maybe I did go a little bit beyond, beyond the Call of Duty, but um, she now knows how to use Google Slides and she's eight, so that's good.
1: We've certainly had conflicting reports from all the people we've talked to <laughs> about whether or not people appreciated the, the structure, the, the places that sort of did online, now is the hour that we're doing maths and now is the hour we're doing English. And some people really yeah. liked that. And other yeah. people said, I'm glad we didn't do that. What we had was projects. They basically told us to go out and build a fort and, you know, we, we, we would learn some maths while we were doing it. And that really worked for us. But we've heard that from both sides. I suppose there's not an actual answer to yeah. it.
0: No, no, no. And, and what is learning, you know? Um, and I think that's one thing I thought, of, you know, with my children, it was with my own children. It's like learning can look so differently in different contexts as well.
1: Let's go to the first of your music choices. Let's have Florence and the Machine. Dog Days Are Over. Why this one? Um,
0: This was actually my wedding song. This is the song that played as soon as they announced that my husband and I were actually husband and wife. Um, Again, it's quite an ambiguous song to me. It's kind of quite positive. I guess when I um, married my husband, I suppose it was a certain element of I kind of felt like I was never going to be alone again. It was sort of those days are over. So I kind of it was quite a positive uplifting song to kind of end our our wedding ceremony Um, and I think um, if you look at the song it can be interpreted in different ways but one way is is, um, one one interpretation is uh, yeah sort of saying goodbye to a certain part of your life and and, um, looking forward to the next phase
1: on a Teach New Zealand scholarship. What have you been studying?
0: Oh right, so I um so um, massive education, um predominantly Maori education. So teaching in the at um, a school like Fakatani High School of in the Bay of Plenty, our role is fifty percent fifty-two percent Maori So I guess so I started teaching as Mawida said in, in two thousand and five. Um, And one of the reasons why I wanted to focus on Māori education is because some of the issues facing our Māori students are still there. Um, And like many teachers, I feel like for the last 15 years, we've been banging our heads trying to close the gap um, that exists. Um, So I guess I really wanted to find out a few more, get some answers to the questions I had um, however, I, I've kind of probably come away with with more questions than answers, um, and it's the main thing is there's no silver bullet, um, and you know there's 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 lots of of, of factors um, that play a role in that. But I guess it's trying to identify the factors that that I can actually change, and um, and how I can actually work with my my students to to create. Um, positive educational outcomes and, and try and close that gap in disparity
1: what is it that you teach
0: so I teach English um, uh, um, so one of the things I found is that um, English is a subject um, students pretty much can can take English right till they leave school um, other subjects that require a lot more tougher um, prerequisites um, mean that students their journey kind of ends sort of before they get to to a senior level. Um so that was one of the things that I sort of wanted to look at. Well how come how can we get others how can we get students doing those subjects? Um we call them particularly in the what we call STEM subjects. So that's science, technology, um, engineering and mathematics. So we're finding that a lot of our Māori students in particular are not progressing in those subjects beyond a, a senior level, so um, Year 11 through to year, 30, uh, year 13. So I guess one of the things was I wanted to find out why um, and what is actually dissuading students from doing those subjects. Um, so I guess I've kind of done a bit of a 360 because I kind of got into – my master's wanting to sort of focus on that. However, I've kind of gone back a few steps and one of the main is literacy. Um, we're finding that students just don't have the literacy to to progress to senior levels. Um, and quite alarmingly, um, I just found out recently, uh, 64% of, of, of students um, who gain Level 2 CA are not reading and writing at the level required so um we've got a little bit of work there um obviously i'm an english teacher um but i guess you could also say um, i'm a a literacy teacher as well
1: is it a branding problem should it be called not english but something else critical and creative communication or something
0: i think so because i was teaching i i became an english teacher so obviously um I was teaching English literature, and and that's our our focus, is teaching, um, you know, poems, stories, novels, etc. However, I remember when I first started teaching, it became really clear that um, students actually didn't know. So so I I remember I had a a level two class, which is uh, the old sixth form. And I remember saying to the students write an essay and they didn't do it. And then I realized that they actually didn't know how to write it, which and they could they weren't reading and writing at the level required. So in some way I had to reteach myself because I'm not primary trained. Um, and a lot of English teachers have the same issues is that we're not primary trained teachers. So I guess the last five or six years of, of my teaching has actually been upskilling staff, including myself, um, and actually teaching ourselves how to actually teach kids how to read and write because I think before that there was that assumption that when kids left primary school and came to high school they knew how to read and write at um, the level required so sometimes I think yeah we do we focus a lot more on literacy at the junior levels and we don't really get into the English stuff under those in their last couple of years of high school
1: we've talked a lot on the show about decolonization does Shakespeare have a role in decolonized education
0: I think he does um I'm actually not particularly a fan of of Shakespeare um I always say i'm not like I'm actually not a real english teacher <laughs> because um i'm actually I actually did my degree in in uh, film and television and I did English as my backup subject. I did do um Shakespeare plays uh drama though because it was always quite um it was a lot easier to act than it was to write essays back in the day um but i I think so um. In our school, we have got teachers that teach Othello, and and it does talk about that. You know, we are looking at those issues of colour. Um, but I think that's the beauty of of Shakespeare or any literature. It's it's about making students aware of the issues, enabling them to see the, the relevance of some of as well. Um, so, absolutely, I think
1: you haven't been in the classroom, so you you wouldn't have been using it, but. Is there things that we can use for teaching, particularly teaching English and communication from the communication around the pandemic? The, particularly the you know the messages from Jacinda and Ashley, the the be kind, the team of five million. Is is that kind of thing a, a useful tool for teaching?
0: Yeah, and yeah, I think I think there's lots of things that have come out of COVID. Um, one is how important it is for student um, student led learning. and and the need for students to actually take responsibility for their own learning. Um, From what I understand, the students who didn't engage um, and uh, didn't keep up with the work, you know, have really struggled post-COVID. So I think if we took it, if we're going to be technical and look at the key competencies, which is part of our curriculum, um, I think some of those came a lot more, uh, stood out a lot more. So obviously one of them was, um was the, the self um management. And also, like you said, I th- I think students to be have a lot more one on one with their with their um teachers. So like you're saying, I think, you know, they had to learn pretty quickly kind of an etiquette in terms of, of um online interactions. Um so and also it kind of forced them to to, to, to you know reinforce how important those teacher student relationships are. Yeah.
1: I wonder if we're going to see a a footprint, fingerprint, perhaps, of the COVID experience in the the in the careers of the people who are high school students now. Is it going to give them a different view as as to what they should be could be doing in their careers and how they're expressing themselves?
0: Well, I guess I'm kind of feeling quite smug, really, but I, I think it's reinforced that regardless of. Of what happens in the workplace, we're always going to need students. Are always going to need a good, a, a good level of literacy and, and numeracy. Um, you know, if kids can read and write and um, and solve mathematical equations, they pretty much can do anything. And um, it, it it means that the everything's kind of covered. I I, I do feel that we we do sometimes um, force students to make quite vocational um, Decisions in terms of their career pathways, and 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 I, I'm not, I, I'm not really sure how I feel about that. Really, I I've, I've always said to, to students, as long as you keep all your bases covered and you you stick with your subjects that are literacy and numeracy rich, um, you know, you've, you've got plenty of options when you leave school. Bubble
4: sprite of the forest of Otago, the favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie.
3: I hope you're all having this stay superstars versus, I really hope, what is happening with this journey on to giving to people. We are staying needing for you, more each day, who nature's art, Me, it better. Thank you. Of course, beautiful people, I'm excited to talk to you. And over the last four months, while we've moved through all these different lockdowns, Different levels of awareness, different consciousness, different levels of feeling and seeing to how lucky I am to share this time with Thank you for thank you, Sam. Special to show. So really, as we know, incredible life form. And not only are we the portrait children on this, but we're constantly co evolving alongside ancestors. Of these life forms is for so so much longer. They've been here, laying the foundations for our horse, hopefully Ooh. journey together into the future without more extinction and we are constantly co-evolving and now today we had this wonderful celebration beautiful leslie amazing wife amazing was with me and the most incredible support this year as we all know we had two wonderful wonderful sand parade and painted lots of beautiful faces and we dressed up leslie paraded about with forty thousand people residents of stunning dressed as a kiwi which is highly appropriate as she's now looking after the baby kiwis at my heart's home otaku sanctuary but it was also fantastic because she could go right up to everyone and I knew who she was being and body and I sat on the back of the ute dressed in a big jubilant outfit this big outpouring of nature's last flower foliage items, shining scales almost. a big, very exciting thing which I loved making, creating And Sam, very kindly termed goddess of nature, which I'm very honoured by. And we had, instead of my partner, who has done this for many years, we had one of our trainee rangers, Tim, dressed up as Tuatara. Tim, of course, was somewhat larger than my partner. Had to make several adjustments along the way. He couldn't lie on the roof of the ute, because he buckled it. And for these reasons, health and safety had to lie at my feet, the feet of my throne on the back of the huge and wave and gesticulate as a tourtelle. We made our way down the main street of need the heart of studying and it was very really spectacular, really wonderful. And of course, Alton embodying the Grinch scowled and gestured at the crowd as he drove, he protected us all, and his wonderful familiar Pip, who is the granddaughter of his dear companion Jess, Stoke Dog of Orokonoe for many, many years past, several years ago, she accompanied him and she gazed at one side of the window and he gazed at the other, and then Tim and I were on the back, so it was a perfect compliment, and Leslie walking behind, interacting with the crowd, so it was really just so magical, and what I really loved about the whole thing was that I knew nearly everyone as we walked along as we drove along, as we made eye contact, we looked at everyone. I knew all these beautiful, beautiful people. And we know that about 40,000 people attend the Santa Parade. So it was wonderful to know that where I live, where I love, Stanley, I know all people just don't know know those people. And I really think that whoever we are, wherever we are, that act of recognition is so powerful and so so I really hope that for you, whatever experiences you are having, you're encountering that sense of community, that's a belonging, that sense of recognition, you are feeling recognised and you're recognising those around you and you're feeling a sense of embrace and treasuring and cherishing of one another, especially at this time of year. And I'll look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Thanks. Much.
1: You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Shay McLean-Brunetti. shay as uh, is, uh,
3: is
2: I've been working through my doctorate study, looking at imagination and um the impact of not cultivating the imagination of our young people how how have you seen that change over time because it seems to me through my work that um kids have, um maybe becoming less imaginative or less able to apply their imagination in their schoolwork and that the um, time that they spend on devices is actually them actually living in someone else's imagination and therefore that's becoming a bigger issue. Are you finding that?
0: Um, yeah, so share with us in terms of how the assessment is actually structured. So um, if we look at NCEA, I, which I think is actually a... Um, a fantastic um qualification and I think there's lots of merits um about it however I think over time what's happened is is we've been increasingly driven by the assessment um so kids are really um as you probably know they get x amount of credits per standard so kids are really driven by those standards and that's one thing I do find quite frustrating is that um You know the irony of of getting them to do a piece of creative writing however they want to know how many credits it's worth and they want to look at the criteria so that they can um ensure that that they tick all the boxes to get to get the higher grades um so yeah that 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 has been um something i've been concerned about and and you know we, we haven't really been able to teach and develop a really um enjoyment and understanding of literature because we are bound by time and and teaching those standards just to put into context it's usually about four or five weeks to teach a unit and uh, sorry a standard and each standard's worth about three or four credits so you know that's not really a lot of time to go into any kind of depth however um in saying that um i've been fortunate enough to as a school been fortunate enough to actually be a pilot for the new level one english standards which um is Uh, Basically, So we've got the pilot next year and then they will be gradually phased in, Um, but the the whole reason for the new standards is is to actually um, focus more on the teaching and learning rather than the assessment. So we'll have a lot more time to teach um, and also the way they're going to be assessed is is that's where the imagination thing comes in. Students can actually um, choose. That, you know they can choose how they they want to complete these tasks and um as long as um they i mean there will be a criteria but it, it, it's a lot more open to interpretation so i think that's really positive is that we that the ministry have actually acknowledged that we do actually need to focus on on teaching and learning and also uh literacy and numeracy as well as part of that as well so it's it's sort of so instead of doing say two or three standards a, a, a term we're looking at one for the whole term with four in total so pretty much one per per term so as um a department we're really looking forward to being teachers of learning again rather than a, a teachers of assessment or assessors
1: you're talking about literacy and the traditional literacies are numeracy and reading and writing is, is it a useful thing for, te- for for us to be thinking about other forms of literacy there's we we certainly know people talk about emotional literacy and uh, i don't know if there's a well-being literacy maybe i just in- invented that is there an imagination literacy or, or or is that diluting the impact of the the literacy and the numeracy
3: um
0: no i think i think um i think we have to somehow teach all of them you know it's like you say there's so so many um one of the uh, papers i did this year was was educational leadership and it talked about um emotional literacy of of school leaders and i just thought gosh you know that i would never heard of that concept and i just think that's um that's really important for our not only our leaders but 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 for all of us really, to have that that um, emotional literacy that those those em- that, that empathy and and care for others um, Yeah, so somehow if we can teach cover them all, that's great
1: so you're back in the classroom now just in time for the year to end. that was good timing
0: um, well not really um, so the so the teaching Zed scholarship was for thirty two weeks, so I actually went back on the twenty sixth of November so um that was the week before last so that was pretty much just catching up with myself um and then last week i was actually away on a school trip so um yeah, it's sort of, it, it's, and then back for two days next week. So it's been like, actually, it's it's, it's 12 days that I'm back. So not really enough time to really get into, into anything, but at least it's enough time to sort of reacquaint myself with everybody and, and um, start thinking about next year. I kind of feel quite sorry for my colleagues because they're all absolutely exhausted um, by the whole year. And whereas I'm all excited for, for 2021 with all my newfound knowledge and all my initiatives and uh, some of the initiatives I'm going to be involved in.
1: Does that mean you're going to have to take all of the, the bad duties for next year to make up for it? You were doing the lunchtime duties for every day for the whole year.
0: Yeah, prob- well, yeah, I'm not sure about that, but I, I know I'll be, um, I'll definitely be eager and um, motivated for at least the first term, but um, not quite sure how I'll feel after the, the um, after that. One thing I have realised is that how physically draining it is teaching. Um, I think that's the reason I I think the study really drained me but um, and then when I went back to work everyone said oh you look so refreshed and relaxed and I was thinking I actually haven't it actually hasn't been that easy but I think the physicality of of actually teaching I think that's what really drains you.
1: Could you remember what to do?
0: I hope so. Um, It's quite interesting. Actually, I feel a little bit scared of of um i think there's a real art to teaching teenagers and dealing with those little adolescent brains and um when you're in it yeah you're, you're in it but when you're out it takes you a little while to kind of get back into it um yeah so I'm, I'm i'm i think before so i haven't actually physically been teaching um but i think when i do i'll probably have a few nightmares about going back into the classroom i i have this um, Recurring dreams sort of at the beginning of every year where I walk into a classroom and, and I can't control them and I've got nothing planned to teach so I, I think I'll probably have a few of those before um, I get back into
1: it let's take the second of your music choices let's have live lightning crashes why this one
0: um yeah so um I My mother died suddenly when I was 19. I was in my first year at um, university. And so obviously I'm showing my age because Live was was a band that was pretty popular sort of in the mid to late 90s. Um, I really like the song because I remember when my mother died, um, like any death, as you know, there's kind of two ways you can kind of deal with it. One is to kind of lose yourself in your grief um, and to an extent kind of stop living yourself. Or you can kind of, um, you can actually use it as a way of 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 turning your life around and and moving on and um, kind of coping and kind of living up to the legacy that the person who passed away has left has left you, which is how I kind of how I kind of coped with it. Um, so I don't know if you've seen the music video, but it deals with the it, it deals with um. With with birth and and death, and I guess for me it kind of represents my my rebirth as a person. Because obviously when my mother died, I I kind of it was a, a huge turning point. Um, and it was sort of the beginning of of a new a new, um, a new life really for me. So I guess that's where that's come from.
1: So we've seen lots of changes, societal changes, over the last few months. What do you think is going to stick, and what do you hope will stick?
0: Um, I think going back to decolonisation and um, diversity has been the biggest thing for me, really. Um, you know, I'm 44 years old, and I, I've always thought that I was kind of young, but I'm realising I'm not now now but I just look at like how I how society's changed since I was um at school at primary school and um secondary school and I I think I think that's the biggest change and it's something that I've looked at as well is is um really I think as a society and individuals we've really had to look at um our own unconscious bias and I think that's a really positive change and um I guess the frustration. That's one thing I've had to learn this year is that um, you know, labelling somebody as, as, as racist is not nec- is isn't always particularly positive because it's not not something that people like to be called. Um, however, supporting them to to address or understand their own unconscious biases is, is a lot more powerful. I feel um, so. Yeah, that's something I feel that we're we're focusing on more as a society and and, and also as, as a teacher, it's something that we need to be aware of in terms of the the text that we study, um, the films we watch, um, and getting kids to sort of just really um think about their own behaviors and attitudes to others and how um they can create more positive responses. Um Themselves.
1: do you think that we should be focusing on teaching people how to have positive responses is that a thing which we're aware of in in, in teaching kids
0: i think we can but i think it's better to model it and i that's another. I, I just i if we can do it in sort of a passive positive way um you know where people come to those see it for themselves um I I guess you know I've looked at a few um what some of the things I've been looking at this year is is how the education system has, has um has uh how the education system has prevented some people from from achieving um, and looking at some of the obstacles that are in place as well and also some of the um, policies of assimilation which um, have had a real really negative effect on on, um, particularly ethnic minorities Um, but however I guess it's about you know I've been able to see that myself um and, and so i've yeah i i but i feel that if um it, it's actually that's one thing I learned this year it's it's that constructive, it's a constructivist approach where you you give people the information and they construct their own meaning from it rather than the transmission approach where you tell them um and yeah you tell them and 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 they have no say in how they interpret that information.
1: I have some questions to end the show with and not very much time, so it will have to be quick. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years?
4: Biggest success. um, Gosh,
0: um, I guess i guess actually going deciding to actually reposition myself as a learner again um realizing that i was at a point in my career where i felt i wasn't being challenged um it's quite easy i guess because i i love my job um and it is all and you know it, it it's all encompassing um but it's quite easy to um just get up and go to work every day and do the same old, same old every year. So I kind of got to the point where I guess I was into my felt I was really into my comfort zone and, and and I was actually starting to feel bored. So I guess the success is kind of and this is the best that that's what I say about going back to study is actually repositioning myself as a learner again. Um because I kind of not not i wasn't arrogant but i kind of saw myself um as the expert um in the classroom so it's been good in that respect to um actually understand um where our learners are coming from so that's that's been one big uh, one success um just in terms of my own um my own teaching and learning um so in, in my role as as h d of english is um probably probably sounds quite strange but um actually um providing a level um playing field for students that do english so once so so one of the reasons why they're changing the nca um the the nca is being reviewed is because they're finding a lot of students aren't doing exams anymore um because there's that idea that you know you, I mean you can still pass MCA um, via internal assessment um, however, what's that's created is, is, is issues of equity so um, and I think employers are becoming and universities are becoming more aware of 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 students who pass it internally and, and others that um, actually do the exams. Um, so one thing that I'm quite proud of is, is a is department, we have insisted that all students um, do um, the exams. We don't make any allowances. We don't tell kids they're not capable of doing them. We The expectation is they opt out rather than we put them in. Um, and I was really pleased, actually, cause, uh, um, because I've gone back during study, um, I've gone back and... Obviously, NCA exams are a bit later this year. Um, I don't know if you remember, I think it was last week, um, on the day of the NCA Level 1 English exam. It was absolutely pouring with rain. And, um, and um, anyway, that hall was packed. So pretty much we had 100% attendance of all our Level 1 students, which was um, – so we've created that culture of um, you can do – You know you can do the externals and um, and most of the time when students actually do them they actually pass so to me that's been quite good we're one of the only subjects that do that and talking at my NCA meetings in wellington it sounds like um there's not many schools that actually do require students to do the
1: exams so we're writing a book of these conversations it's called tomorrow's heroes it's our team of people doing good work so you are in the team what is the superpower that's got you into the mansion?
0: My superpower, um, I think I know how to read people. I think um, I think uh, I've yeah, I I feel I'm quite an empathetic person, but I sometimes can actually read body language, and and I think that's um, that's one of the reasons I got into teaching, is that I. Uh, I can support people and I can be quite encouraging um, and can kind of foresee for, – that would be my superpower – foresee any potential issues um, and prevent them from happening just by supporting people um, and encouraging them.
1: So do you consider yourself to be an activist?
0: An activist? Um by default i'm actually quite political um i i i i guess i got into teaching like my parents as have said my my father was a principal was a principal my mother was also a teacher um and i suppose the philosophy that drove them was is um that need to help people and um and support people and and make change um through those day-to-day interactions so um i guess getting involved politically has has kind of been a natural um progression i i i'm i guess i'd like to think i'm an activist in my own quiet little way um i don't think i've ever been one of the reasons i got into teaching was because i was media trained and i felt that when i i would have done a lot better at school if, if um I had been exposed to a lot more visual um text um I I always found it really hard to talk and talk so um and I've always included visual elements in in, in my in my teaching and I'm a visual learner so I can't actually I'm one of those that's another thing I've learned this year is is I'm not particularly good at following instructions I need to talk to people to work out what's actually going on um yeah, I was I was hopeless at school because I just never really listened to the teacher. However, um, talking to, to 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 classmates, I kind of always kind of got the gist. So yeah, I guess I'm in my own quiet way. I'm kind of trying to change things for the better.
1: So, what challenge you're looking forward to in the next year or so?
0: Um, so obviously going back to to work is a bit of a challenge, but we're also um, establishing a, um, it's kind of come out of my study, but we're establishing a literacy initiative at our school next year. Um, because we're finding, well basically, um, 33% of our students aren't reading and writing at the the level required. So that's been one major um, reason for that. but also, just from my re- the research that I've done so far, is that um, that there hasn't been a literacy initiative that's been self sustaining within a school. They um, there, there have been quite a number of government led initiatives over the years, but none of them have actually had any um, any lasting. Um, uh, it, it, they haven't had any positive outcomes long term. Um, and in fact, if you look at the stats, our um, literacy stats actually got worse. So I'm looking forward to trialling a new initiative, which I hope will be successful. And um, we will see kids um, reading and writing at the level required and therefore having more choices a bit later on.
1: And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners?
0: Any advice? Um, yeah, I do actually, I've got one um, This is another thing I kind of learnt this year um, Looking at, I, I was fortunate enough to do uh, Kaupapa Māori and culturally responsive research methodology And I think the main thing I learnt was that If you go on as a researcher, and I think if you And also as a teacher um, Or any anything that you do really You have to be your authentic self And, um, you know, I think um, that's one thing that I um, really gain from that, you you need to be, you need to bring who you are to whatever situation. Um, You don't need to reinvent yourself to to, to make change. Um, And also, um, we have so many different aspects to our identity that we don't necessarily celebrate. You know, it's important that we celebrate all those aspects.
1: Thank you for that. Moera.
2: Hey, um one of the things that I've really um, taken from your corridor today has been that notion of positioning yourself as a learner, and certainly I'll be doing quite a bit of thinking about that in terms of our young people who are struggling in schools at the moment and what do they actually position themselves as so thank you very much thanks for your commitment to education and for all the great things that you do in our community yeah um
0: thanks so much for the opportunity i feel really privileged that you asked me um i hope that i hope that i've said something worthwhile but um yeah thanks again for the opportunity i really appreciate it
1: thank you thank you very much for joining us thank you listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at three and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. We're listening to Florence and the Machine Swimming. Can't beat a good swimming song. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyers Bay, Dunedin, with Moira Karatai in fakatani and also in Thakitani, Shay McLean Brunetti. We hope you enjoyed the show.
4: Then all of a sudden I heard a It started in my chest and ended in my